Well done. Do you know that the average memory is, most people's average memory is seven digits plus or minus two. So either between five and nine is the average that people can remember. Uh, and uh, it, it's an amazing thing, is our whole memory. How does our memory work? How does it come together? I saw this thing the other day. said, everyone has a photographic memory. Some just don't have film. <laughs> it's pretty good, isn't it? Some of us are a bit like that. Uh, but how do we remember? How does it work? Well, I've been reading a book on memory just recently of how to improve your memory and how to do things and so forth to make sure you remember things well. Uh, and the way that they talk about that in the book is for our memory to remember things well, we have to actually connect them to senses, to uh, taste, smell, emotion, place. So you need to connect it to something to help you remember it. And the weirder and the more humorous and the more strange that that is, the more that you remember it. So if you get to meet somebody and you get to know their name and you say, G'day, Patrick, okay, uh, or Ben, uh, and you want to remember their name, the best way to do that is to connect it to something that is a sense or a memory or something that can connect that to that. So for Ben, you'd think, strange guy who wears green underwear and has a bald head. Uh, and you'd be able to remember that. Green underwear, bald head, that's Ben, all right? Strange, weird, though true for Ben. Uh, or, you know, you're connected to something like uh, swimming in a pool upside down uh, or things like that. Uh, and they also use things called memory palaces. So that is where you actually have a whole system in your head, uh, a place, and you put those things in different places. So for numbers, for example, what you'd do is you'd have a memory palace like your house and you'd have the first number at the rubbish bin, second number at the front door, third number in your office, fourth number. And then at, on top of that, you'd have them, the number jumping into the rubbish bin, the number banging on the door, the number typing on a computer, the number jumping up and down on your couch. <laughs> but if you have a memory palaces already organised, you just connect them and you actually remember. Try it sometime, give yourself 15 I, I could do it with up to 15 different things. Uh, 15 things, just make a list of 15 things that you've got to do in the day and then connect them to your walk, as you walk through your house doing strange things in your house all the way out to your backyard. It's a very interesting way to do things. Uh, but what it is, the, as it worked out the memory, is if you connect it to your senses, connect it to something, uh, and if it's humorous or gross or amazing, then you remember it better. God already knew that. God knew that from the beginning. And so God takes two of the greatest examples of deliverance and redemption and salvation and connects it to something that hits all our senses. That's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at how God takes the biggest example of his action and his work and his salvation and redemption in the Old Testament and connects it to a meal. And then we're going to see that he does that and transforms that and takes it even further when he connects it with a meal with Jesus. All so that we will remember. Uh, open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. Uh, we're in the middle of this, so it's actually chapter 11 through to chapter 13 is all about the last plague uh, in the Exodus story. Uh, but we're just going to be concentrating and delving into one specific part of that, which is the core of it, looking at the Passover meal. 
And we're going to see that this morning. We're going to think about that. We're going to think about it as a meal to remember or a night to remember. And then we're going to think about what does it remind us of. And then we're going to see how it connects us to the greatest meal to ever remember is the Lord's Supper, Jesus' last meal. Uh, Heather's going to come up and she's going to read that for us. It's Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 to 28. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the, of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. Not one of you shall go out the, of the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top of the sides and the door frame and will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover, sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. Uh, as I said, we're in the middle of uh, Exodus. We're at the end of the ten plagues, if you've heard of them or know of them. Uh, we've had the nine before, and they were warnings to Pharaoh and to Egypt that God was real and that there's only one true God. And the very last one is getting to the point where God is about to bring about his full justice upon these people and show them who really is the true God. And to do that, and before that happens, uh, God speaks to Moses and tells him that what I'm about to do is going to be the biggest action that has ever been seen and will probably ever be seen until we find out later about Jesus. Uh, but it's going to be huge. It's going to be big. And so because of that, I'm going to tell you about having a meal so that you remember it. And so that's what he does. Uh, Moses tells the Israelites about the meal that they're going to have to remember what God has done and is going to do for them to take them out of Egypt and make them to be his people in his land, worshipping and serving him. And so that's what we get in that passage, don't we? We find out about what happened and we see that uh, they're about to get ready and they've got to go out. And in verse 21 he says, get ready as though you're about to leave. But as you get ready about to leave, then we're going to do something that will help you remember. Look at verse 24. He says, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. Get ready to go, Israel. Get ready because I'm going to save you. Get ready to take off. So this is a meal being ready to go. Uh, it's a meal they're going to get set so they're going to escape out of Egypt, out of slavery. Uh, and they're getting ready for that and this is a meal so they're going to pass on as well. This meal is not just for them that night but it's a meal so they remember throughout the rest of their time as Israelites, as the people of God. Uh, and to the point where it becomes so special to them that they even change up their calendar. 
the calendar actually becomes, from this moment onwards, the Jewish calendar starts at Passover and goes from... This is how important it is. This is the very first thing you do, the very first point of the year, so that you remember what I have done for you. That's how important it is. And it's very specific that it's going to be because it's going to be a specific type of sacrifice and meal. There's going to be a lamb, an unblemished lamb, the firstborn lamb. This lamb is not only going to have no broken legs, nothing's going to be wrong with it. We're not going to break it, can't be. It's going to be the firstborn, unblemished lamb. This lamb is going to be sacrificed and you're going to eat it and it's going to be the one that saves you because you're going to take the blood of that and you're going to paint it across the door and God's going to pass over and you're going to be saved. There's lots and lots of symbolism in all of that, isn't there? But when we think about that, what does it remind us of? An unblemished lamb, firstborn, no broken bones, the blood's going to save you. It reminds us of Jesus, doesn't it? Uh, this is the picture of God's great salvation here and there for the Israelites, but it's a smaller picture of the greater picture of what Jesus is going to do, and we're going to get there a little bit later. Uh, but this is going to be a meal that they're going to remember, but it's not only just a meal to remember, but it's actually a start of a whole festival. You see, at the end of this, he says, this is going to be a week-long festival of unleavened bread. These people are going to party for a week because of what God has done for them. When was the last time we partied for a week because of what God has done for us? Oh, these are party people, these guys. They love it. They, this is fantastic. they can remember this. They're going to have a whole week to remember just how good God is to them. Uh, a guy called Jeff Vanderstelt mentioned in a video a few of us saw recently, he says that Christians, believers and followers in Jesus should be the most partying people ever because they have the greatest thing to celebrate. And that's what they were doing. God even instituted it to party. He said, I want you to party and I want you to party remembering me. Uh, we do that too, don't we? Oh, did I lose that tape or did... Let's just go back, sorry. Lost the there. Uh, we do that too, don't we? Uh, we do that with special days. And I think for Australia, at this point in time, Anzac Day is one of those days, isn't it? Uh, it's a special day that's set aside every year, once a year, and we do things specifically on that day to remember. We have a dawn service. Uh, we have services throughout the day. Uh, we often have a lunch. The RSL puts on a sub-branch, puts on a lunch, and then there's two up, and then we party. It's a remembrance, isn't it, of what people have done for us so that we could be free in our country. Well, the Passover is a bit like that for the Israelites. It's a day set aside for them to remember what God is about to do for them. And we're to pass that on, it says. Look at verse 26. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it's the Passover, sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. We are to remember, he says, you are to remember what God has done to save you. God has provided a way for you to be safe when God's judgment comes on the people around them. And that happens, doesn't it? If you know the Exodus story, that happens. God's judgment comes on the Egyptians. 
Uh, and we sometimes feel that's a bit strange, don't we? Sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we read the Bible, and we see all the plagues and all the devastation, all the destruction, and then we see the last plague, which is the death of the firstborn in Egypt, and we feel the angst of that because we think, oh, is that what should happen? Is that the right thing to happen? Uh, well, sometimes I think we forget just what has gone on before. You see, before this has happened, the Egyptians have absolutely gone to town on the Israelites. They've put them into slavery. They've destroyed them. They've beaten them. They've pushed them down. They've driven them to the ground. They've killed them. They've destroyed They've done... And God has warned them continually, the Egyptians, don't do that, let them go. 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 God has actually been very, very gracious and patient with the Egyptians. And it's at this last point where God says, well, guys, you've had all these warnings. Bang, you're about to find out who really is the true God. You see, God comes in and God's justice is fair and right. And he comes in to judge not just the people, but to judge the gods of those people. Look at verse 12. We've had verse 12 in your Bible. You can flip back and see it there. Uh, on the same night I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. I am God. Don't take me lightly. My justice is going to come. Verse 23, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he'll see the blood on the top of the sides of the door frame, and he'll pass over the doorways and he'll not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. You see, what this meal is to do is to, for them to remember what God has done and is to remember that God is a just God. Sometimes I think we forget that. But I actually think we all want that. We want God to be just, don't we? We really do want God to be just. We really do want evil punished, don't we? I don't know about you, but over the last week when we had the Compassion Sunday and we saw the devastation in the world and we see the fact that people are using kids in slavery and enslaving people, we see that there's 1.4 million children in the sex slave trade in the world today. And we look at that and then if you came on Tuesday night and you saw the film 58 and you continue to see the evil in the world, I came out of that and I said, I want justice. I want evil to be punished. I don't want it to go on forever. Now, sometimes I'd like to deliver that justice, but thankfully I'm not God, and neither are you. But we want it, don't we? And the picture that we have here in the Passover and in God's judgment on Israel is to remember to the Israelites that God is just, but to remind it to us that God is just as well. Because when we get to the New Testament, we find out that God says that every man will die once and will face the justice of God. One day, God will bring justice completely on everyone and everything in this entire world, from the beginning of the world to the end of the world. Justice will happen. God will deal with evil. That's a great comfort, isn't it? 
And sometimes in the middle of what we are now, we think we want it now and we can't understand why it isn't happening now. But we can know for sure that it will happen. That justice will happen. God will bring all evil to account. But it's also scary, isn't it? Because that means God's going to bring justice to you and I as well. Yeah, we might throw the stone and say those slave traders over there in India or those people that are killing people in Pakistan. But when we look at our own hearts, there's evil there too, isn't there? God's going to bring justice on us. But the really, really good news is that God provides a safe place in that justice. Look what it says at the end of verse 25 there. Put it on the door frames. He says, And I will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. There is a safe place. God's going to bring justice on the gods of the idols and the people that are there. He's going to bring justice on us. And within that we are to remember, and it shows us that there is no room, there is no protection from the one true God in religion. All those gods that they have, we think we have all these idols, things that we think we're going to get us there and make us right. There is no protection in religion. It doesn't save us. Only one person saves us. The just God who saves us. He provides a way out. He provides a way out by the blood of the lamb over the lentil for the people. He provides a way out for us, doesn't he? In the blood of Jesus. You see, not only is the Passover a reminder of God's justice to us, but it is also a reminder of God's grace to you and I as well. Because God is going to bring justice. He is going to punish people. He's going to bring it to account. But God also within that is a loving and gracious God who provides a way out, a safe place for the Israelites and for us. Look at verse 22. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and both the sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he'll see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and he'll pass over the doorway and he'll not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. See, God is a gracious God. He provides a way out. The blood of the Lamb is where we are safe. Under the blood of the Lamb is where we are safe. Under the blood of the Lamb that has been put upon the doorpost is where the Israelites would have been safe. It's like a substitute. It's like a double. Someone steps in for them, don't they? Uh, Here we have a double. You've ever seen Johnny Depp's double? Which one's Johnny? Yep, I had to think which way I was standing. Yeah, the one on my left, the one on your right. Uh, You see them in in, uh, uh, movies, don't you? The double comes in and steps in just when the punch is to be thrown and so you hit, well, they swap them over and the double gets hit rather than the real person. In a sense, that's what God is saying. He has put a substitute in for us, 
a substitute for the Israelites. It won't be the Israelites that are going to take on God's wrath and his anger and his justice against evil. It'll be the lamb. The sacrifice of the lamb will stand in the stead and the blood over the doorway shows that those people trust that. That they believe in that and God will save them. That's why it's called the Passover. The word is like skip over. It's the idea that God comes along and he'll bring about and he'll punish evil and then he sees that the people trust him under the lamb, under the blood lamb and he skips over the top and they are safe. Could you imagine being in a house that night? Here you are, well, the preparation's gone, the dad sacrificed the lamb, the blood's been done, you've cooked up the lamb, there's all special things there, you've eaten the lamb and you're going to bed and you're the firstborn in that family and you know that God's going to come through and he's warned everybody, uh, but you're the firstborn. Has dad put the blood on the top of the lamb? Has, has dad done that? You, you wake up in the middle, you run down, you check outside to see if it's there, you think, what's going to happen? Will this, what's going to go on? Imagine if you were a few guys in the room at the moment who know that they're firstborn. Imagine what they'd be thinking. Man, I think, I hope Dad remembered that. And, and, and it happens and it comes through and the next day, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't tell us much about what happens around in Egypt at that day, but it tells us that those that were under the blood of the Lamb were safe. And Pharaoh says, get out. Go. Your God is the one true God, go. Well, for us, we know that that was a picture of the ultimate safe place, wasn't it? You see, when we get into the New Testament, we find out that Jesus was the one true lamb and he was sacrificed as our Passover lamb. In 2 Corinthians uh, 5 verse 7, you will see that word. For Christ, our Passover lamb, he was sacrificed for us. Our safe place is in Jesus because in Jesus, both God's justice and grace come together. Jesus, when he's on the cross, He goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is he experiencing? He is experiencing God's punishment for every evil throughout all eternity on him. Yours, mine, everyone's has been poured out on him. God's justice is being dealt out on him. And his grace and his mercy says that if you stand in him, under him, if you trust in him, then I will pass over and you will be safe for eternity. You are safe in me. That's a wonderful story, isn't it? It's a wonderful truth. The Israelites, they had a Passover and we're going to find out they head off and they go towards the promised land from here and things don't go that great for them, can I tell you. But they've seen something phenomenal happen. God has delivered them. God has saved them. They were safe under the blood of the Lamb and now they're going to go off to be God's people in God's place under God's rule. But for you and me, we've seen Jesus. who's hung on the cross 
He took all our evil upon himself so that you and I can be safe for eternity. So what's a good response to that? What's the right response to that? How can we respond to that? Well, what did the Israelites do? How did they respond? Well, the first thing they did, look at verse 28. Well, that's the second thing they did, but I'm going to go there first. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. What did they do? They trusted him. They trusted God. And they stepped out in trust. It's a great picture, isn't it? Imagine if you could be there hanging off the edge of a cliff and they're going to hold you and they pull you up. You've got to trust, don't you? You want to hold, you want to hang on and you trust and the person brings you. You've got to put your trust into action. The Israelites had to put their trust into action. They actually had to do exactly what God said. They had to put the blood over the top and they had to sit there at night and wait and trust that God would save them. What's our response? is to put our hand in the hand of Jesus and trust him. Because not only did Jesus go to the cross, but Jesus rose again. And he showed us that he dealt with all God's justice on the cross and all God's mercy and grace is poured out from him to us. And it's for us to trust that. And he takes us through life in that. But not only did they trust, but notice what else they did. The people bowed down and worshipped. They bowed down and worshipped. They praised God. They said, how good are you? A just and gracious, merciful God who has taken us out of slavery and given us life. That is who we have too, guys. And not just in this land and not for one land, not for one place, but for all eternity. God has stepped in and grabbed us and taken us and saved us in Jesus and he takes us to an eternity to be lived with him in perfection forever. Where there will be no more evil, no more pain, no more suffering. Perfect relationships between us and God forever. That is our just and merciful God. That is what he has done for us in Jesus. And our proper response to him is praise and worship. And that's not just Sunday morning, is it, when we sing songs. That's not just worship. That's one aspect of worship. That's where we're just singing it. But worship is a whole life given towards living and trusting in our Saviour. That's what it is. That's what worship is. Well, how good is your memory? How good is God who enables us and gives us something to remember him by perfectly? The Passover meal is one that reminds the people of what God has done, the great deliverance that he brings about for the Israelite people. But it is only a shadow of the deliverance that God has brought for every person throughout all eternity in his son Jesus. And what does Jesus do on the night before he was betrayed? What does he celebrate? The Passover. And what does he do on the Passover? 
He says, now this is about me. He says, what has gone before is now being completely wrapped up in me. The blood in this cup, the wine, the bread, my body here, this is my sacrifice for you. I have become the Passover lamb. I am your safe place. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So we remember, don't we? We remember in the meal what Jesus has done for us. He takes the senses, doesn't he? The senses, he takes taste, he takes smell, he takes touch and he brings it all together and he puts it into this meal for us so that we remember God's great mercy and justice that comes together in Jesus. And our response is to always remember, to continually trust and to praise and worship God, Jesus our Saviour, in every part of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we I'll take a moment just to think through what we've heard and what we've read. Well, we want to thank you and praise you that you are our safe place. Lord, we desperately want evil to be dealt with. And we thank you, Lord, that you've dealt with it in Jesus. We thank you that you've dealt with our evil in Jesus. Our hearts. Lord, we thank you that you have taken that and dished that out on him rather than us. We don't deserve it, Lord. We don't deserve it at all. But in your grace and mercy and your love for us, you provided a way out for us so that your judgment on evil will pass over us because we stand with Jesus. Lord, may we trust that in every part of our lives, Lord. May we worship you in every aspect of our lives, Lord, in praise and honour to your gracious, loving mercy to us through Jesus. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.